Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Season 3, Episode 20, The Prom. I'm so sad. <laughs> Cara, I'm crying. Okay, I cried twice while watching this. It's been a while since I've cried. I cried once. I'll Ooh. tell you which scene I cried at when we get to it. Oh, I'm going to uh, guess. I'm later guess. on in the episode, always cry. Every single time I watch this episode, that scene always makes me tear up. Mm. Um, we'll get there. But I agree, I agree with you. And I said this before we started recording. I feel like this episode is going to be a lot of you saying things and me just agreeing with you. <laughs> so if anybody's here for the drama, I'm sorry. Skip this episode because um, it's another great episode. I, it's a bit of a strange episode because the like the antagonist, the thread of the episode is not that impressive. Um, yeah, it's kind of out of place. And I think that in another episode that would have been a huge letdown. But the character relationship arcs and the way that they get advanced in this episode, especially. Buffy and Angel, but also, you know, Cordelia and Xander and whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. that's the saving grace of this episode. This yeah. episode, I don't, ugh. And, and the acting, ugh. Let's, let's, let's talk about this. Let's get into this because we just need to go. We just need to get going. And I just, ooh, this episode is so good. And I want to say right before we start that, like, I never thought much of this episode before because obviously if something devastating happens in it that I, I just never cared for when I was younger. But now after watching it, I have this whole appreciation for it. I love it. I adore this episode for many reasons. So let's get into it. Okay. Praise Moloch because Buffy and Angel are waking up together in bed. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, they're fully clothed. They're under, they're not even under the sheets. They're under like a other blanket. Uh, but they are finally waking up together for the first time. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Oh, at least the first time that we've seen. Angel is admiring Buffy as she sleeps, as we all do. And uh, when she comes to, she's got funny bed hair, and she's like, oh, we got carried away with the post-slage nap thing. And um, she's laughing. She seems, like, really at peace. They both seem really happy. So that's how we know it's doomed, (laughs) because they wake up super happy today. Uh, She wants to go check her hair. Angel reminds her that there's no mirrors in there, because he's a vampire, and vampires cannot be seen. The reflections. Ooh, Angel's a vampire. <laughs> I know. At the end of season three, we're still just we still have to remind people that Angel's a vampire. And um, she says the place, his mansion, is not girl friendly. There's no mirrors. There's no natural light. And Angel says that she looks perfect. And I was like, okay, because they just cuddle after that. She's like, okay, and then they cuddle for a bit. But then Buffy starts getting serious and she's like you know we should really think about getting a few mirrors in here maybe a drawer for some of my stuff 
Because that's what couples do. They have drawers. Oh, an angel, typical guy, right? He's got some commitment issues. The moment she <laughs> mentions <laughs> moving in, at least part time, he gets cold feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How dare you? That's not what's happening in his mind. <laughs> but it is to that def- effect. Of course it is. Because Buffy not only said, like, you know, I should get a drawer here. But she's saying, we should get some mirrors. Like, is she, like Buffy's moving in, basically, is what she's saying. And... Buffy mentions that it would be nice to spend the night sometimes. Like, for example, after prom, it would be really nice to come back here and spend time together. And Angel's like, what's the prom? And Buffy describes the prom as a high school rite of passage. Think cotillion with spiked punch and the electric slide. Is that what your prom was like, Steph? Absolutely, yes. It was exactly like a cotillion. (laughs) Actually, my prom was kind of, like, boring. (laughs) I mean, it is Thunder Bay, right? Um... I don't remember if we had a... I know we had semi-formal. Yeah. I don't remember if we had a prom. It's all kind of a blur to me. It's been so long. It's been so so long. Um, We're like angels age. But I was never interested in dancing with other people. I only danced by myself, so... Okay. Well, it wasn't even about dancing with other people, because it's another thing. When we get to the prom later, we see, like, all the couples together. It's very coupley. And we've talked about this when we watched Twilight, like, how these types of dances really, you know, push that whole heteronormative lifestyle. Uh, But for me, semi-formals and prom... Were, or graduation, we would call it, is all about your friend group and hanging out with your friend group. Mm. But prom is still a significant part of a lot of high school experiences. So I love that this episode is covering prom. And it's called The Prom. Yeah, that that's the central part of the episode, as we're going to see later on. For sure. So I do think it's really funny that Buffy just says to Angel, don't worry, lots of girls have older boyfriends there. You'll fit in. And I was like, I really don't blame Angel for being like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> Even if Angel was a normal man, like a normal human being who was like, let's say, 20 or 21 years old, he still wouldn't want to go to the prom. You know what I mean? Like once you're out of high school, prom sucks. (laughs) But Buffy's really excited about it. So Angel's like, okay, maybe it's time to go. Like, let's change the subject. And Buffy guesses that it's a few more hours to sunrise. So he also doesn't have clocks, apparently. (laughs) You think he could smell the sunrise? Isn't that what he's told us in the men's? Uh... Buffy gets up, she opens the curtain, and sun streams in, almost kills Angel once again. Not the first time she's done this. And she's just like, oh, sorry, it's later than I thought. And all right, so not only is Buffy wanting to move in with Angel, and he's like, mm, about it. We're going to find out why he's so mm, about it. But Angel might also possibly be doubting her moving in with him because he will not survive if that's the case because she keeps frying him with the sun. We talked about this in the last episode, right? Or earshot or something, right? She almost dusts him then and it's just like, come on, Buffy. You got to be a little more careful. Buffy, there's like only two things that can kill this man. (laughs) One is sunlight and one is a stake to the heart. So... Cut to credits, and then after the credits, we go to Sunnydale High Campus, where Anya is approaching Xander. Anya, remember everybody? Anya from The Wish and from Doppelgangland. She is finding Xander on campus, and he does a little exposition for anyone who's new, didn't know Angel was a vampire, didn't know Anya was an ex-demon. He says, you know, Anya was a demon who, who used to punish evil males, and now she's at, at Sunnydale High because of shenanigans. She doesn't have her powers back. And Xander says, women would wish horrible things on their ex-boyfriends and you would show up and make it happen. And she's like, of course, yes, the power of the wish. Maybe a righteous source to smite the unfaithful. Like they, lots of exposition here to remind us who the hell this is. And 
Anya says that she witnessed a millennium of treachery and oppression from the males of the species, and I, and I have nothing but contempt for the whole libidinous lot of them. And I was like, praise. <laughs> like, that's an <laughs> awesome thing to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you have to give it to Anya. At least she's consistent, mm-hmm. right? Like, this has been her thing from the first moment we met her, and she's sticking to it. And and I give her props for that. Even if I don't agree, I'm just like, hey, Anya, like, you do you. Yeah. So Xander's like, so why are you talking to me then, right? <laughs> do you hate men? What are you doing here? And she says, I don't have a date for prom. <laughs> and Xander's like, I wonder why not? It couldn't possibly have anything to do with your sales pitch. And Anya says, men are evil. Will you go with me? Ooh. And I was like, okay, hilarious. And confusing that Anya is doing things I love and hate in the very same scene. Love that she's given her whole like men suck kind of speech. Hate that she's hitting on Xander. <laughs> so, ooh. And also, Kara, I know it's way too early to talk about age gaps and the hypocrisy of Anya pursuing Xander, a teenager, versus vampires pursuing teenagers. It's too early for this conversation. But by golly, will it be coming in season four? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anya on trial. <laughs> so also, I want to add that it's also weird that she's asking him because as much as Anya is telling us here, Xander was unfaithful to Cordelia. So Anya came to the campus, guised as a 12th grader, to tempt her into a wish. And now she's stuck in this persona and has all these feelings that she doesn't understand and she doesn't like, but she really wants to go to the dance and she wants someone to go with her. And it just doesn't help me. Like, I'm glad that she explained that and reminded us that she's like literally a centuries old demon because she actually looks so old compared to Xander here. Right? Like, she looks like she's like 35. I I can't really tell like ages very well like that. So I'm not sure I have the same reaction. (laughs) I just I think it's interesting, you know, she's blaming Xander, but then she's also like, but I'm choosing you to go to prom with me. And you know, she claims it's because he's not as obnoxious as the Oof. alpha males, what? which is a backhanded compliment, basically. Yes. Um, uh, and then she's also like, plus, I know you don't have a date, which fair. Fair enough. Fair. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And she's like, I know that you find me attractive. I've seen you staring at my breasts. And then Xander gives a comment that once again, right, like I feel like we have these moments where we're just coasting along. We're like, Sandra, you're not actually doing very bad. Like, good job. And then the moment we're feeling well disposed towards him, he says, he opens his mouth. Mm-hmm. He says something like this. He says, nothing personal. But when a guy does that, it just means his eyes are open. Xander. <sighs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I actually really liked Xander in this episode, except for th- like this comment. And I think yeah. one other thing he does later, but like this was so annoying to me. Ooh, he can't get through one episode without us having to slander him for something. And this was it. Because Xander, like, do not wrap all men under this banner that you you cannot help yourselves, but stare at women's breasts. You don't have to look at women's breasts, right? It's not like it's out of your hands. (laughs) It's not like you can't control yourselves. But that is the message that we've been fed that oh boys will be boys and well we, we have urges uh that's just perpetuating rape culture further exactly that's and i'm glad you pointed that out because that's why we're slandering xander at this point right is it, it's not that the comments cringy it's not like oh it's a he's a sick teenage boy no it's like literally comments like that are harmful because they're reinforcing this subtle perception 
that boys can't control their you know sexual natures and therefore women deserve to be ogled and women deserve uh you know unwanted attention even to the point of sexual harassment and assault and that's not okay so we really need to be critical of comments like this. We really need to think critically about them. Yeah, that's why we come down hard on Xander for saying that. And then also, it's so funny because Anya just said, you seem more mature. Like, you're not you're not as wild as these alpha males. It's like, well, really, Anya? Because look what he just said to you. She and- should probably spend a little bit more time talking to him. Yeah, because <laughs> Anya, you could do so much better. Like, what about, um, what's his name? Logan? Hogan? Hogan. Yeah. What about Hogan? Like, he seemed like a nice enough jock. Like. Yeah, and he probably goes for older women <laughs> in their 30s. Damn, um, Sorry. I'm sorry. No, and that's not to say that she's not gorgeous, because she is. She's stunning. Uh, I'm just saying, she just looks, she doesn't look like an 18-year-old. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay? None of these people look their age. <laughs> I know, but at least when the show started, they did, right? At least when the show started, they looked baby-faced. Now they're all gaunt in the eyes. They really have, like, aged up in this season. Yeah. I mean, Later on in, in the episode, when they're when Buffy and Angel are in the sewers, Buffy's looking real mature yeah. for an 18-year-old. I know. They try to make her look young and youthful in that pink shirt. But anyway, uh, Anya <laughs> just fa- says to Xander, do you want to go with me or not? And then we cut to a picnic table where Xander is telling Oz, Will, and Buffy that indeed he chose to go with Aunt Anya. And Oz is like, interesting choice. <laughs> and Xander admits it's like either that or his hand, basically. And Willow says, well, if Anya tries to kill you, put me down for a big I told you so. And that's how <laughs> we know that Willow's been friends with Xander for <laughs> her whole life. Uh, she says she's better not try to cross me. That's all. And I can't help but think that Willow feels this way, not just because Anya tried to kill Willow in Doppelgangland, but because here's another love interest for Xander that Willow's not going to like. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Xander's not doing great on choosing love interests choosing girls choosing trysts if you will that appeal to willow which yeah i i mean i think there's a lot we could unpack here about how there's still fallout from earlier in the season with the affair and stuff maybe xander's running into anya's arms in a sense because it's not just he doesn't want to be alone for the prom he doesn't want to be dateless but it's also like he's trying to show that he's moved on, Mm -hmm. both from Willow and from Cordelia. Well, especially here, because Buffy says, we all have someone to go with now, meaning Xander was the only one. Yay, heteronormativity. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like, I feel like like, all these big events were always about my friends. Like, that's who I took photos (laughs) with, you know? Uh, But anyway, some of them are going with demons. No big deal. They all, Buffy has her pink dress. Angel's going to lose it when he sees her. Like, she's so excited for the prom. Hope it goes well for her. We cut to Angel's mansion, and Angel's found my notebook, my personal notebook, because on it is doodled Buffy and Angel forever. (laughs) But obviously it's Buffy's notebook, not mine. Right, and obviously Angel wouldn't read it, because we know Angel doesn't read Buffy's diary. No, he doesn't. Not even her school notebooks. And he he picks it up, though, and it's right there. It's blatant. It says... Buffy and Angel forever, little doodle. And I was like, oh, Buffy, no. <laughs> like, how embarrassing. But we're, we're reminded that Buffy's young and in love. I, that's, there's only one way that teenage girls can show how much they love somebody. And it's by doodling their names together on their notebooks. So uh, knock at the door. It's Joyce. It's Joan or Joyce. And she has 
come and she says, oh, I tried to call, but there's no number. And I was like, Joyce, check the phone book <laughs> under Angel. What, is he under Angel? Yeah. Or is it like Creepy Mansion on Crawford Street? <laughs> yeah. Because we've known that Angel's number has been in the phone book since season one. Because Giles and Xander were calling well, it up that's, nowhere. That's when he was in an apartment, the um, basement apartment, right? That you used to live in. Right. But... Um, now he's moved into that mansion where he used to be evil and also died and went to hell. Um, but apparently, no hard like memories there. <laughs> well, this scene, this is the beginning of the scene, made me laugh because Joyce is remarking on the amazingness of this mansion, right? She's like, "Wow!" And he's like, "Yeah, I like a lot of space because I don't get out much in the day." Ha ha. And my thing was like, Angel, you're not paying rent there. Like, aren't you squatting? Like, are you like, you're acting like you pay for this like beautiful mansion, but like, I'm pretty sure you're squatting there. You killed the person that owns it when you were evil. <laughs> Yikes. So I also really laughed because Joyce is taking in the handcuffs on the wall and the, the artwork that's around because Angel has eclectic, <laughs> kinky taste. Um, Steph, those are clearly manacles, not handcuffs please get your kink straight Come i am on. so sorry my apologies please forgive me uh but i just laugh because joyce is taking in the artwork i'm like she's looking to steal it so she can sell it on the black <laughs> right? market at her gallery she's like, oh i didn't i didn't know this was here in sunnydale <laughs> hobby lobby joyce i'm telling you <laughs> and then we also have to think about she looks at the handcuffs chooses not to say anything about them you know what I'm just gonna skate right by but it would have been so funny, and I wish we had heard Angel start to explain the handcuffs to be like, oh yeah, we had to like chain up Buffy, like pretend that she was chained up so we could, Faith was evil. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think Joyce doesn't want to know. Like she says in a moment, she's like, I don't want to know the details. Not like, while I'm here. You yeah. know, Buffy already knows too much about her love life with Giles. Oh, true, so. true, true. <laughs> Also, we don't want to give Joyce any ideas because we know she's got a secret crush on Angel. Joyce is like, oh, I'm here. I'm right straight to business. All right. Buffy stayed the night and Angel apologizes. And she's like, I'm, I'm here because I'm worried about you two generally. Like, I'm not here to, you know, be mad at you about last night. And Angel says that uh, it won't happen again. Um, and he won't change like before, like he's not going to lose his soul. And Joyce says, I don't have to tell you that you and Buffy are from different worlds. She had to deal with a lot, grow up fast. Sometimes even I forget that she's still a girl. And Angel's like, I'm old enough to be her ancestor. And Joyce says, she's just starting out in life. And Angel agrees with that. And he says, I think about it more now that she's staying in Sunnydale. So Joyce says, good. When it comes to you, Angel, she's just like any other young woman at love. You're all she can see of tomorrow, but I think we both know that there are some hard choices ahead. If she can't make them, you're going to have to. I know you care about her. I just hope you care enough. Ooh, Joyce came sober so, so for Joyce this. So Joyce is basically asking Angel to end things with Buffy because she thinks Buffy is not mature enough to recognize that this relationship is going nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, she's like, come on, Angel, I'm appealing to you as the more mature person, more experienced person. End things now. So, you know, break her heart now so that you don't break it worse later, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many ways to take the scene. Like, this is actually a very tough one. I can see how people would come at it with from di very different angles, like whether they're outraged or not that she's intervening here. Uh, and I think you're fair to come at it either way, because when is it appropriate and not appropriate for a parent to interfere on behalf of their child's lives? There is no right answer, and Buffy is 18, 
But that's still super mm-hmm. young. And she's been dating this immortal since she was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And Joyce has only known about that for, I guess, a year now, like a little under a year. So when was the right time for her to step up and say something? Well, now she knows that Buffy is choosing to stay in Sunnydale for school. She's actually stayed at Angel's now the night before, and she's still in high school. I I completely agree with you here. Yeah. I agree that it's definitely, there's a discussion to be had here. You can see it a couple of different ways. I agree that there's really no right or kind of wrong. I have a lot of respect for Joyce. It, it takes a lot of guts to like show up at Angel's mansion. You know, he is a vampire, and that just shows how much she cares for Buffy. Mm-hmm. I, I want us to think back to season one. You and I were kind of hard on Joyce, or shall we call her Buffy's mom, because that's what she was for all of season one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we gave her a hard time for the fact that she wasn't a great parent for that first season. She let Buffy go to the bronze in that interview outfit. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like, she didn't seem to be very tapped into Buffy's life. She's made some strides. She has improved over the past two seasons. So I want to give her credit for that. And regardless of one's opinion about should Joyce be interfering, I really respect the fact that she has the courage to come and do this and to say these things to Angel because he's he's older, you know, he's a little bit intimidating. But yeah, I I think that personally, I'm going to side with Joyce here. I'm going to say it's good that Joyce is saying these things and I like the way she's doing it. Right, She's not having a confrontation with Buffy where she's putting her foot down and she's like, you have to break things off with Angel. He's not good for you. She's talking to Angel and she's basically just sharing her point of view. Mm-hmm. Angel could choose to reject that, right? He could just brush that off and just not tell Buffy or just be like, yeah, your mom came by and tried to break this up. Ha ha ha. Uh, here's I got you a drawer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he could choose to just brush that aside. So I like that Joyce did it in a way that was very respectful of the relationship. I don't think she's overstepping her boundaries. She's communicating her concerns as Buffy's mom, but she's acknowledging, right, that Buffy's going to make her own choices. She's asking Angel to intervene. Um, and and I don't think that ta- that takes anything away from Buffy's power because at the end of the day, like, even if Angel agrees with Joyce and tries to break up with Buffy, Buffy can try to convince him not to, right? Like, it, that's just the way it is. Yeah, She's just giving her two cents here. Uh, I 100% agree with you, Kara. I'm siding with Joyce as well. I feel like to what you're saying, she's not being condescending. She's not waving the mom flag and being like, you know, you better stay away from my daughter. I know what's best. She's literally having a respectful conversation. You can tell that there's respect between the two. She's not overpowering Angel with her righteousness. Angel is not getting defensive. They're having an open dialogue about it. And you can tell they both love Buffy a lot to be having this conversation. It comes through in the scene. I love how calm they are. I think it's really great. And like in comparison to Joyce's scenes with, let's say, Spike, which are tend to be very comical and we love them. They're so funny. I think on the other yeah. end of that, this is a really great scene to show these two adults having this conversation about Buffy's future. They care about Buffy. This is about Buffy, right? And I love that. That So Joyce, you get a gold star from prophecy girls but i would be very curious to hear someone else's point of view because i know some people really hate her for this (laughs) so 
Buffy and Willow are comparing dresses in the library. Everyone's in the library. They're doing research. And Giles thinks they're talking about demons. And he's, he reminds them all. And he reminds the audience as well that the Ascension is approaching and they don't know what to expect. And Xander asks about the pages that Will stole from the Book of Ascension and choices. And Giles says, we know the Ascension refers to a human transforming into a demon and becoming the living embodiment of an immortal. And graduation day is when the mayor is going to do it. But, and then Wesley and Cordelia enter, and Wesley says they don't know which demon he's going to become. There are thousands of, speci of species, so they shouldn't waste any time on trifling matters as a school dance. And Cordelia says, well, that's too bad, because you would look way 007 in a tux. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, and then that's when Wesley says, well, I'll be aiding Mr. Giles in his chaperone duties at the dance. <laughs> yeah, Wesley's preening. Giles is the saltiest bitch in this scene. Like, he's just... Giles is salty at everybody. He's like, why aren't we talking about demons? Why aren't we talking about the Ascension? And then Wesley... When Wesley throws out that, yeah, I'm going to the dance comment, Giles is just like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> what, Wesley? Um, Giles is not having a good day for some reason. Well, I think it's also because, like, okay, Giles and Wesley are technically the adults here, but even Wesley's like, I want to go to the dance. <laughs> well, I, I want to throw something out here because there's some tender moments later on in the episode between Giles and Buffy. He's very proud of her, and that's fair. Giles got fired by the Watchers Council, for those of you who, you know, haven't been reminded of that mm -hmm. lately. Buffy's going to university... Like, Giles has his job as the school librarian, but Buffy's not going to be at the school every day, right? So I think Giles might be starting to worry a little bit about what life is going to be like next year for him. Mm. Because he's technically not Buffy's watcher, and she's going to be away from where he's working. So they're not going to see each other that often unless he, like, I don't know, transfers to the, the university library or something. So I think maybe the whole, all the talk of the prom and the dance and stuff, in addition to it being a silly American high school tradition, we don't give Giles enough credit here. I think he's feeling a little bit insecure about how things are changing for him. I, I agree with that. A little insight into Giles and perhaps where his character arc is going to go in the future. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the Scoobies are still talking about the prom. Like Buffy is going to take Willow to April Fool's, which is a dress shop. And of course, that's where we saw Cordelia last episode working. And Cordelia was like, don't go there. I shop there. <laughs> and Xander said he's going to dip into his road trip fund to get a new tux. Because remember, Xander's going to go on the open road after graduation. Good. Don't come back. Please leave and never return. And Giles, that's when he gets snippy, just like you're saying. And he's like, well, I shall be wearing a pink taffeta because Chanel will not go with my complexion. Can we please talk about the Ascension? And I like that Buffy stands up here and she says, hey, we get it. Miles to go before sleep. But especially if we're all going to get vaporized on graduation day, we deserve some promy fun. One night of glory is not too much to ask. And I was like, good for you, Buffy. That's absolutely true. And then we cut to a house where there's a TV on and a demon is caged up. And what I thought, I, I truly thought the library cage could not be, there could not be a worse cage than the cage <laughs> in the library. But here we are. This is the most terrible cage I've ever seen holding some sort of demon. It's, it's a bad costume too, right? Like it, it looks kind of like the werewolf costume, but it's not quite as like dog-like almost like it's it's ugh, it's, it's just bad. bad it's it's clearly a man wearing a suit uh we cut to a church <gasps> oh my god buffy and angel are having a covid19 wedding it's just them 
<laughs> no one in the pews. Wow, Angel really didn't take Joyce's suggestion well, <laughs> he, did he? He's like, we better elope immediately. Everyone's coming at us. Um, Buffy is wearing a gorgeous 90s style wedding gown. And like, I actually love it so much because it's so puffy and 90s. And like the, oh, the off the shoulder and the ooh, it looks nice on her. And Angel's looking hot in his tux. Ooh, ooh, ooh. They're getting married. They exchange rings. The kiss. Do you need a moment, Steph? I need a moment. You know what? I'm going to go relive my wedding and just like take the video and put Angel over top of it. <laughs> Photoshop. Green when screen I come and visit you, are all the photos of you and your husband going to be like Angel's face pasted on top? <laughs> to, to the outside world, it looks like I married Angel the Vampire from the episode The Prom. Um, yeah. The, anyway... They're, they get married. It's wonderful. They go outside. Angel's in the sunlight, and he's looking pale, but he doesn't burst into flames. Instead, Buffy does, and she gives out her classic, Angel? <laughs> and then she burns. No. And Angel wakes up. He's wearing a shirt, because he wasn't in bed, mind you. He's on a couch or something. Was it a prophecy dream? I don't know. Not, um, but the horror, the horror. Angel's dreaming about Buffy burning up with him. Uh, okay, yes. I got this next scene because it's a big scene, and I know you have lots to say about this, and you got so many feelings. I have so. a lot of feelings. Yeah, we go to the sewers. No, <laughs> hi sewers. It's been a while. Um, Buffy and Angel are on the tail of a vampire that eluded them. Um, Buffy's talking about the prom, of course, <laughs> and she's like, "Hey, Angel, you know, you need a new tux." Probably because he doesn't have one, right? All he has are, are white, white tank tops, and that's not going to cut it. Just that dream tux that he was just wearing. <laughs> um, and Angel's trying to redirect her. He's like, I think we have more important things to think about now than the dance. <laughs> and Buffy calls him Giles. She's like, sorry, Giles. I'll just be quiet. Burn. There's some sass going on here. I'm here for it. Like, Buffy's like, why are you we even down here in the sewers? You know, like. Shouldn't we just be somewhere else? And Angel's like, well, I, I don't want this vampire to get away, right? Like, I've started something. I want to finish it. <laughs> so they're having this conversation. They're getting into this argument. And then the vampire jumps out. Um, and Steph, you wanted to point out the vampire's Asian. He is! Yes, he's definitely Asian. <laughs> the, the entire Asian population of Sunnydale. God! Uh, another <laughs> one! must be massacred. Oh, it's a massacre! <laughs> it's a goddamn massacre! And no one talks about it. <laughs> Um, and I love I love what happens now because Angel and Buffy are just starting to have a fight. Buffy like just absently stakes the vampire. She's like, not now. And stakes it. <laughs> yeah. Vampires dust. So they don't need to be in the sewers anymore. But of course, where is the best place to break things off with your honey? The sewers. Totally the most romantic place to end things. So Buffy is challenging Angel and she's like, what's going on? Shouldn't I be invested in the prom, you know, graduating, growing up? And Angel's like, yeah, no, you're right. Um, he's looking torn here. And uh, he says, we need to talk. Ooh, there's never been anything good that has ever followed the sentence like that. <laughs> so to his credit, he does try to move the conversation out of the sewers. He's like, maybe you're not here. And Buffy's having none of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffy's like, no, if you have something to say to me, you will say it right here while we are standing ankle deep in fetid water. <laughs> like, it's not a great place to be. Uh, and, and she asks him, she's like, is this about what the mayor said? Because Angel thinks it's going to be unfair for him to be with Buffy. 
Um, and Buffy's like, you know, you can't listen to the mayor. Uh, he's the bad guy. <laughs> and Angel's like, well, that's true, but he was right. You deserve more. You know, you deserve something beyond, like, demons and darkness. And he's like, I can't give that to you. So he's he's trying to give her the it's not you, it's me speech. <laughs> but he's so valid here. He says, you should be with someone who can take you into the light. Someone who can make love to you. Yeah, like... He is he is being so gentle with her. Yeah. He's, he is not wrong. We talked about this when we uh, talked about choices, right? Like everything the mayor said was true. Angel's not wrong here. But Buffy started to tear up. She's like, mm-hmm. I don't care about that. And Angel literally calls her out. He's like, you will care. You will care about that. You're going to care about kids. And Buffy's like, um, can you say jumping the gun? I killed my goldfish. (laughs) And Angel is pulling the I'm more experienced and, you know, older than you card. And he says, you have no idea how fast it goes, Buffy. Before you know it, you'll want it all a normal life. And Buffy, at this point, of course, the Sarah Michelle Gellar trademark tears are on. And she says, I'll never have a normal life. Mm -hmm. Um, And Angel acknowledges that she's going to be the slayer. Uh, But he says, that's all the more reason. You should have a real relationship instead of this freak show. Oof, oof, oof. That hurts. So what do you think about that, Steph? What do you think about Angel denigrating what he has with Buffy? Because I think you and I are on the same page. We agree that the objections here are valid. But what do you think about the way he's basically saying their relationship's a freak show? I don't think he means it. I think that he is progressively getting harsher and harsher and more intense about the breakup conversation because it's getting harder for him to keep going so i think he's saying these things and belittling their love and their relationship because it's making his point more clear he's trying to get through to her yes exactly and i don't think that's necessarily the best way to go about it but then again buffy's being really She's fighting him right now about it. Well, and, and how many times has Angel had to break up with somebody, right? Like, we, we get the impression he was a fuckboy before he became a vampire. He probably didn't have any lasting relationships. And then when he was Angelus, he didn't really break up with people so much as kill them mm-hmm. or separate from them, right? Like, we, I think we need to remember, yes, Angel's older than Buffy. He's not necessarily that much more experienced in having a mature, equal, reciprocal romantic relationship here. He's doing his best. I agree with you. It's not, you know, great tactics that he's using. No. And it's hard to watch. Um, Yeah, I think that he's saying these things and he's being more harsh about it because he just, he's trying to hammer home that this isn't for Buffy. This isn't the right thing anymore. And uh, yeah, yeah, then Buffy tries to leave and he stops her and he's like, I'm sorry, you know how much I love you. It kills me to say this. And Buffy says, then don't. Who are you to tell me what's right for me? You think I haven't thought about this? And he's like, have you? rationally and Buffy says no of course not I'm just a swoony little schoolgirl, right and I was like well on one hand I was like Buffy he did see your notebook <laughs> so that's one but on the other hand ooh, this is another tough conversation because I do think like you're saying Kara Angel's right he's doing the right thing here but there is definitely room to critique his method. And we've already said one thing, like we don't think he's actually be, he doesn't have to get harsher in order to get the point across. That's kind of just how these conversations go. But I don't like how he is patronizing her a little bit here by being like, have you thought about it rationally? And maybe rational is just a trigger word for me because I just feel like men use that towards women 
way too much <laughs> to mm-hmm. justify how they're right and they're wrong. Um, so I don't like that. But it's also the fact that it's true. Joyce and Angel both agree that they're more mature than Buffy and Angel has to be the one to make this decision. And that's hard. Yeah, I just, I, I don't see, I don't see this going any other way, right? I, I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I don't see this go like the way that Angel is, the way that Buffy is, the conversation has to happen this way because Angel's not going to stand by and stand with Buffy until their relationship hits the rocks, you know, two years from now because mm-hmm. she's suddenly like, now I want kids. Like, that's not Angel's nature. Um, and at the same time, I don't think Buffy's in a place where she can think about this rationally, be- not just because of her age, but remember, she just got Angel back from hell and they've had a really rocky year. Yeah. Um, so I think I agree with you that in general, the you know calling a woman irrational is a really, really red, red flag. Mm-hmm. But it's true for Buffy at this point. Like, I got to give it to the writers here. They've done a really good job of building Buffy up to the point where she cannot think clearly about the future at this point. Yeah. And, and that's not a bad thing. I Just to be clear, I am not criticizing Buffy for the way she's acting here. This is what I like so much about this scene and about their arc in particular in this season is unlike the affair with the cheating arc with Willow and Xander um, and, and, and Cordelia and Oz and stuff, which was kind of underdeveloped and we were very critical of that. Mm-hmm. This has been coming for a long time. This has been coming since season one. And I think the writers have done a really good job of getting us to this scene. And also making it so that we understand why Angel is doing this. We don't want to see Buffy hurt and we want to be on mm-hmm. Buffy's side too. We're on their both their sides, but Angel is doing the right thing. And it's, it's just really hard when we know that Buffy has an anxiety around dying young. Yep. She says it here. I, I'm not going to have a normal life. And that's, to me, another way of saying, I'm not going to have a long life. Yeah. I think a lot of people overlook the fact that Angel and Joyce have hope that she will. She will and she could have a very long, happy life. Mm. And Angel can't be a part of that in the long run. But Buffy, again, because she thinks she's going to die young... She sees the short run of it. And you and I brought that up in Choices, too, where we're like, why does it have to be now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you guys can still have time. You still have time to enjoy each other's company. I mean, that's just the way it goes with these kind of shows, of course. But I think we just forget that Angel and Joyce are also coming from it with hope that Buffy is going to continue her life for another 50 years. And Buffy doesn't think that way. So, of course, she's like the hell is this right like i wanted to just enjoy the next five years and then die (laughs) i just think that that's something an aspect to this conversation that we overlook a lot so angel is uh he's saying i'm just trying to think with my head not my heart uh and not the other thing that guys think with sometimes (laughs) xander (laughs) true buffy says you have a heart it isn't even beating. Ooh, whoa, whoa, Buffy. Buffy. Lashing whoa, out, whoa. Buffy. My goodness. And Angel says, don't. And Buffy's like, what? Don't love you? I'm sorry. I didn't know. I got a chance, a choice in that. I'm never going to change. I can't change. I want my life to be with you. And Angel, I guess, like, again, he's getting, like you said, progressively harsher. Mm-hmm. He says, I don't. Oh, damn. That that hurts. That fucking hurts. And He doesn't mean that. He doesn't. But he needs Buffy to get it. He needs it to sink in. 
So that was literally the last straw, I think, of this conversation. Buffy's like, I want to be with you. And he says, I don't. And what I really think is Angel's not so much saying, I don't want to be with you. Because he does. He's saying, I don't want you to be with me. And that's the difference. And oh, it's so sad. And Buffy, ooh, she just, she takes it in. And she turns away from him. And you see in the background, he's not in focus, but Angel wipes a tear out of his eyes. But he doesn't want her to see it, right? Because he needs to stay strong. He doesn't want to break down in front of her. And when she turns around, she says, how am I supposed to stay away from you? And Carl, like, this was my favorite quote in this entire scene of devastation. Because she's acknowledging here what you just said. It's been a rocky season. But... Throughout the last three seasons, how many times have these two tried to stay away from each other? She literally killed him and he went to hell, but he still showed up in her dreams. They were still connected like psychically. Mm -hmm. And then he came back from hell. And then she was still just like, we're not friends in like, (laughs) what was that? What episode was that? We're not friends. And they broke up again. Lovers walk. And then so he says, I'm leaving. He says, I'm leaving Sunnydale after the ascension. Um, and he says, like, if we survive, I'm going to go. So, I mean, at this point, I just want to point out, like, maybe they do get back together again. <laughs> maybe this is just another failed attempt at breaking up. Yeah. Maybe, you know, whatever happens in the season finale, season four starts with them in bed together again. Ooh. Like, we don't know at this point what happens. It certainly has this ring of finality to it. But we've got three, sorry, we've got two episodes left to go in this season. And this is not me like trying to hold out hope, right? But this is just me pointing out based on what you just said that they don't have a successful track record at breaking up. How am I supposed to stay away from you when like universally, like cosmically, we cannot stay away from each other? (laughs) So the fact that Angel is is doing this and putting Buffy through the ringer in this scene, it may be for nothing. We're going (laughs) to have to reserve judgment on that. So Buffy, so, so Buffy's like, where are you going? And just like, I don't know. Buffy, I love this line. She's like, is this really happening? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And oh, then God. the scene no. goes from Buffy and Angel arguing in the sewers to Buffy sitting like on the, the little roof outside her window. You know, she's put on a jacket and stuff. It's it's deep into nighttime. She's just kind of like sitting there. And we she might have been sitting there for hours for all we yeah. know. Um, and Angel's back at the mansion. He's staring and brooding into the fireplace. Yeah, I, I, my note here was like, do 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 do. Like it's very Dawson's Creek. <laughs> but hey, this is a breakup, okay? And I think, like you're saying, we don't know how long this is gonna last because they've never been able to stay away from each other before. Since they've met, they haven't. Been, they've had a tra- this like magnetic force that forces them together. Uh, but this is the scene where I cried for the first time. Uh, because Willow has come over in the morning to talk to Buffy and they're having their girl talk because who do you want when your heart gets broken? You want to talk to your best friend. And she's saying things that the best friend needs to say. She's like, he's a fool. He's a big, dumb jerk person, if you ask me. And he's super maxi jerk for doing it right before prom. And here Buffy is showing her maturity where she says it's not his fault. You know, he's 243 years old. He doesn't exactly get the prom. And she's like, it's okay, Willow. You don't have to make him the bad guy. And Willow says, that's the best friend's job, vilifying and grousing. <laughs> and Buffy says, usually, but he's right. Okay, he's right. Buffy agrees. He's right. I think maybe in the long run, in the long run, 
I'm, just, I'm emphasizing this because it's so important. He's right, right? And she gets that. Buffy understands and she meant it earlier in this, in last scene where Buffy says, you think I haven't thought about this? Because obviously she has. She just didn't have the guts to act on it because she loved him so much. So uh, Willow says, yeah, I think he is. Like, I think he is right. And she's like almost sorry to say it. And she's like, I was hoping for the best and I'm sorry. And it must feel horrible. Buffy says, I think horrible is coming. Right now it's worse. Right now I'm just trying to keep from dying. Like I'm literally going to cry. Buffy starts sobbing. She's sobbing on Willow's lap. And she's like trying to breathe. And she's like, I can't breathe. It feels like I can't breathe. (sighs) Buffy. This scene for me is almost better than the previous scene. In a sense of like. We've always talked. We've always talked about how much we love the girl talk between Buffy and Willow. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, the breakup scene is emotional and it's heartbreaking, obviously. But this moment where Buffy is being tender and vulnerable in front of Willow, and she's talking about how she's just trying to avoid dying. You know, <sighs> because again, like the mayor's ascension is coming, and Buffy doesn't think she's going to survive. This is this is a callback to Prophecy Girl, right? Like she didn't think she'd survive the master. She doesn't think she's going to survive the Ascension. She's hoping she can take the mirror down with her. But, you know, I think she's feeling very vulnerable and mortal here. And I I really like how Willow is present for her. You know, how Willow goes from, like, setting up Angel as a bad guy (laughs) to being like, no, yes, you're right, that he's right. And and she just lets Buffy let it out. And and that's really affecting to me. And I don't know if it's because I've been in that situation. I've been Willow having to comfort my friends and having to like pivot from, oh, he's a, he's a loser, you know, fuck him to like, um, oh yeah. Okay. You're okay. You're fine with this, but you're not fine with this. Like she's being what Buffy needs. She's being what Buffy needs for her every moment of this conversation. And this scene hit me and I cried because it's so real. This scene is where I started being like, this is the greatest episode we've seen so far to me because wow it's no because it's so raw the 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 sarah kudos to sarah michelle geller for crying her eyes out right that's like a hat trick that she can do right she she cries she made me cry in becoming in innocence in this episode um she's showing us real pain because guess what heartbreak and your first real breakup that's real pain that a lot of people can relate to especially when you're in high school hey 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 hey. what about owen (laughs) First real breakup. Scott? (laughs) Who? (laughs) What about Scott Hope? You know? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Steph. Buffy is very experienced, okay? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But again, she's broken up with Angel so many times, right? But this feels final because this is the first time Angel's ever told her... I don't want to be with you. And he's moving away. And he's, he's leaving. Actually ta- he came to Sunnydale to spy on her and stalk her. How dare you? he was falling in love with her. <laughs> no, that's, that's, but that's why this is so good. It's like Buffy, we're, we're feeling everything she's feeling in this real ass breakup, right? The pain, the disbelief, the shock, the fear. He's leaving like, oh, 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 oh. It's so real. And that's and when I'm going to backtrack to what I just said because this this episode made it so clear to me that this show is really embracing the high school part of high school is hell. We do have this demon that we're going to be dealing with soon, right? The monster of the week is here, right? But this episode puts all that in the in the B 
section of the of the episode and enhances yeah. the the high school drama, the relationships. It's like what you said earlier, right? We got Cordelia and Xander, Buffy and Angel's relationship. Like we're we're focusing on the high school aspect of it, and it's fucking real. And that's why I cried during the scene. And that's why I, I think this ep- this episode is brilliant. And why not get the stuff over with in prom when we have two episodes left that are going to go out with a bang mm-hmm. for the season? It makes sense to clean this up here. I I do think it's quite rude of Angel to do all this A before prom and B before they, they fight the final bad guy. But hey Dick move, buddy. Right, right. Not the right best timing. <laughs> but really the only episode that they could dedicate that to give this yeah. breakup what it deserves. And it's this scene, this scene right here, Buffy sobbing on Willow's lap. Oh poor girl. And then speaking of the monster of the week, we cut very quickly to this house basement room somewhere. Uh, with the very unsatisfactory cage. We see the monster of the week inside the cage, easily breaks the cage open, <laughs> yeah. and it escapes. Of course so it does. <laughs> it's out there yeah. in Sunnydale. And and we have no idea what it's for. Like, obviously, something was keeping it caged, so it's got some kind of master. But what's going to happen? Let's find out. Let's find out. Uh, Cordelia is still looking at her sparkly dress in that store and Xander sees her and again he needs I have to harass her I have to go in there so he comes in and he's like how long does it take for you to buy a damn dress and Cordy's trying to like blow him off right and then another store clerk says is this your friend or customer and she tells her you better stop goofing around because Mrs. Finkel has it in for you and we cut to Mrs. Finkel, who definitely has it in for Cordelia. And Xander learns that Cordelia works here, and he's really surprised. And Cordelia kind of just goes off on him. She's just like, yeah, like, I'm trying to buy a dress. And Xander says, don't you already have all the dresses? <laughs> and here's where Cordy tells us why she's working here. She says she has no dresses, no cell phone, no car. Everything has been taken away because daddy made a little mistake on his taxes for the last 12 years. Okay, let's just pause for a moment. <laughs> so Cordelia is say, saying her dad is has been accused of like tax evasion or something similar. Because um, we knew Cordelia was, if not wealthy, like, you know, fairly well off for a Sunnydale resident. And now she's like, oh, oh, daddy had some problems with his taxes. And it's just like, oh, okay, Cordelia. Like, I could see why she wasn't broadcasting that around the school. But it's also just like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we never actually learned what her dad did. I'd be very curious to know. And we never actually, we saw her bedroom, but we've never seen where Cordelia lives. But um, in the rest of this outburst, she says she doesn't have anything. And what makes me so sad is, so she has to work part-time to get a lousy prom dress on layaway. But what she says that really hit me was that she can't go to any of the colleges that accepted Mm. her. She can't even stay home because she doesn't have a home anymore. And I'm like, this is serious. she can move into Angel's Mansion. Well, yeah, well, one would assume he'd want a roomie. He can sublet it. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is serious. Like, she's homeless? Like, where is she living? Are they living in a hotel somewhere? And more importantly, Cordelia works really hard at school. We've seen her do her due diligence in mm. class. She pays attention. She got an amazing SAT score. She got into Columbia and Duke and all these great schools. And she can't go. And that's actually so sad for her. And um, she's telling... Xander, like, go ahead, tell your friends so you can all make fun of me. Like, Cordy got hers. Ha ha ha. And then before Xander can say anything, a demon bursts through the window. The demon that escaped that cage. 
And uh, Xander pushes Cordy out of the way and he gets attacked. But the demon leaves Xander alone and goes for a guy that's wearing a tux. And then after he mauls him, he jumps out of the window and runs away. And there's a guy with a remote control or something or a camera. I don't know what he's got watching at the window. I'll give props to Xander for um, trying to take on this this monster all by himself. Yeah, I mean, besides the harassment and that one the, uh, rape culture line that we didn't like, uh, he he. the rest of the episode, I really like Xander. I think he's good. The Scoobies are all watching the, the security footage in the library. Xander is wondering why the creature stopped. And Cordelia has weirded out that it has such good taste. <laughs> also, how did they get the security footage, right? So we're, I'm thinking like Cordelia must have used her access at the store to swipe the security tape. So she's working with them, right? Like, once again, she's getting pulled back into the Scooby lifestyle. And thank God. So not only did she bring this tape, <laughs> but she says, like, the, the demon chucked Xander and went right for the formal wear. Look at the outfit Xander's wearing. Now look at the kid the monster went for. Very smooth lines, you know? And <laughs> just like in Ted, Cordelia's here to point out all the clues that everyone else is missing. But no one takes her seriously yeah. right away. So... Buffy's forlorn. She doesn't want to watch the video. She's in a bad mood because she got dumped. Wesley says that it's a hellhound and it's a particularly vicious one. And Giles says a demon foot soldier. It's a demon foot soldier bred during the mockish wars. <laughs> uh, they eat the brains of their foes is what they do. Tasty. Mm, delish. And Cordelia wants Xander to zoom in, but he's like, it's a VCR. You can't. And... Wesley starts to ask what the two of them were doing as if he was like jealous. He's like, what the, what were you two doing together? And Cordelia's tongue tied at first because she doesn't want to tell people she's poor now. And Xander says, burning a hole in daddy's wallet as usual. I just bumped into her during my tuxedo hunt. So he covered for her, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Oz points out that there's the guy with the remote control in the video. He correctly identifies that guy as Tucker Wells, who was in well, his chemistry he, lab. But first, he's like, pause the video, and Xander once again is like, oh, Gabe, it's a VCR, you can't, and then stops, because he realizes, well, you can't actually pause like, Oh, VCR. you can't pause. <laughs> so we, we get a very, like, I'm impressed with Oz's facial recognition skills here, because it's very grainy footage of this guy. But somehow, Oz is like, yep, that's Tucker. I know who that is. Yeah, and it's it's funny because like he's, he doesn't seem like the murderous type, but they never do. And Xander notices Buffy sitting sadly by herself, looking at books. And I kind of liked this exchange because he asks her like, "How are you?" And she's like, "Fine." And he says, "Your impersonation of an inanimate object is really coming along." And she's like, "Thanks." <laughs> so I thought that was funny because I'm like, Xander, are you trying to like? I don't think he knows that Angel broke up with her. But he no. knows something's up. So I think that was his way of being like, sup, right? But Willow broke into Tucker's email account. And he wrote a message to a David Metz saying, The Sunnydale High Lemmings have no idea what awaits them. That their big night will be their last night. Ooh, he wrote that in an email. And Giles says, uh... Okay, so he has the hellhounds trained to attack people in formal wear. And Cordelia, the queen she is, says, oh, are we all catching up now? <laughs> <laughs> Cordelia had it all figured out. Seriously, she already said all this. So they know that Tucker's going to attack them at prom. Uh, Xander and Oz and Will are all like grumbling about it. Will's like, I should return my dress. Xander's like, why do I even buy tickets to these things? And Buffy's like, don't you dare. You guys are going to have a prom. The kind of prom everyone should have. I'm going to give you all a nice, fun, normal evening if I have to kill every single person on the face of the earth to do it. And Xander's like, 
Yay. <laughs> so right after this, Buffy gets to work. Buffy starts calling the shots and she's like, Wesley, you go to Tucker's house, bring Cordelia. Oz and Willow, you go track down this David kid and see if he's involved. Uh, she starts to tell Wesley and Cordy to stop by the magic shop, but it's next to the dress shop. So Xander goes out of his way to volunteer to go instead. Uh, she wants, Buffy wants Xander to check to see if anyone was buying supplies to raise a hellhound. Why that would be at the magic shop, I'm not sure. Xander leaves, everyone leaves. And then as they go, Buffy tells Giles, they eat brains, right? Any brains? Because Tucker must be feeding it. So we cut to the brain emporium, like the giant butcher factory or whatever. The meatpacking factory, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Buffy's talking to a very helpful manager who just gives out this kid's address. Right? So I, I see you had this in your notes. We're we're vibing, Steph. <laughs> um, I wrote down in my notes, the chatty doctor must have a cousin in the meatpacking industry. <laughs> <laughs> they're in cahoots because yeah this guy was just like yeah that kid's weird here's all the information i have on him like no questions asked <laughs> love it and um just as buffy gets the address she sees that angel is there getting his dinner in a bag and he's wearing a sexy white tank top and that leather jacket i'm getting season one vibes chef's kiss <laughs> um but yeah they see each other and they do that whole like you know, awkward. Oh, hey, I didn't think I'd see you here. Uh, and Buffy's like, oh, where did I think you got your blood? And the plasmas. <laughs> I was like, that's a good one, Buffy. Uh, but it's very tense. And, you know, Angel's like, how are you? And I'm assuming this is like the next day. Because <laughs> it's been like 10 yeah, hours. At this it's point. literally been less than 24 hours. Um, and she's like, oh, I'm right as rain. And then he gives her a look and she's like, you know, I can lie to you if I want. If I want. We're ex, remember? So Buffy is salty. She's very salty. And Angel's like, if it means anything, I miss you. This hurts because on one hand, I'm like, Angel, we know you miss her. You love her very much. This sucks for you too. You're also going through a breakup and that sucks. On the other hand, I just don't like when exes, especially the people that do the breaking up, when they're the ones that are like, I still miss you and like all that stuff because it makes it harder for the other person to start to move on. And I'm not blaming Angel for this at all. This is very fresh. Like you said, this is like, you know, two hours ago they broke up. <laughs> um, and you say these things because you want the other person to not hurt as much. So you want to say something nice. So I get it. But it, it, it it's always irked me when um, that happens in, in breakups. So Buffy says, like, can we not? Because when I think about us, I have the tendency to go catatonic. And I really can't afford to, to do that right now. She starts to tell him about, like, what's going on. Um, and Angel asks her if she's still planning to go to prom. And she's like, strictly as a chaperone capacity, it's fine. I'm cool with going stag. I'm over the whole Buffy gets one perfect high school moment thing. I'm certainly not going to let a subhuman being ruin it for the rest of the senior class. Angel offers us help a couple times. And she just says, I got it. Like she snaps at him. And then she chills out and she's like, thanks. And they are both very sad and they walk away from each other. So Cordelia's leaving the shop because I guess she did a very quick like two hour shift. At the dress store? Yeah, the, the timeline is a little bit weird here. Yeah. So it's it's unclear to me. Maybe it has been a couple of days since the sewer conversation. So the, the, the monster attacks the shop in daylight. So it's daytime. Then we cut to the library. And it's still daytime because we can see the light coming in through the library. Mm -hmm. But when Buffy goes to the meatpacking plant, it's nighttime because Angel's there. And like Cordelia is with them in the library. And then she's back here on shift. So it's like, 
My initial thought was maybe Cordelia was hanging out with them on her lunch break, right? She swiped the tape, had like an hour lunch break, went to the library. But that doesn't line up with the timing of like going to investigate it. Like it's, it it's weird. Sense, yeah. However, you, you try to lay it out. This is like Halloween all over again. <laughs> uh, let's just go with it. We're just going with it. I assume that her and Wesley went to Tucker's house and then Cordelia was like, well, I, I got to go shopping. And then she just went to the store for like a quick little two hour rush hour <laughs> uh, shifty. Um, but anyway, the point is she's there so that the coworker can be like, don't forget your dress as she's leaving. And Cordy's, and she says, "Are you? Aren't you wearing it tonight? So prom is tonight too." So Cordelia says, "As much as I hate to admit it, I haven't finished paying for it yet." And the coworker says, "Well, somebody did." And sure enough, somebody did. And Cordelia's shocked. And I think we all know who the somebody is, but we'll reveal it later, I guess. Either way, it's genuinely sweet. So we cut to the library. And Buffy joins the Scoobies there, and none of them had any luck. They couldn't find David. They didn't find any hell beast magic going on. And Buffy says she has the address, so they should all get ready for prom, and she'll catch up with them later. And they protest at first, but Buffy's like, have a nice time, like, (laughs) threateningly. She's very adamant and kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all like, all right, so they all go. And while Buffy is filling up her bag with weapons she tells giles to go to the gym and make sure everything's okay until she gets there and he starts to tell her she's being a bit rash you know like she only has the address she hasn't she definitely hasn't solved anything yet and buffy starts like ranting a bit she's like it's done you want to go after them and tell them they can't go ruin all their plans and dreams for nothing Um, you want to tell them that they can't spend tonight with their honeys of all nights (laughs) (laughs) i love that word god i hate it so much and Giles's Buffy's senses are tingling. Like his dad triggers are going off. He's like, Angel isn't taking you, is he? <laughs> and Buffy's like, Angel's leaving me. Oh God, that's how she feels. She feels like he's literally leaving her. He's leaving town. And Giles says, Buffy, I'm sorry. And I think he means it, but I can't also help but think that he feels relieved by this news for many reasons. One, because he's basically her father and has seen this coming since day one. Um, But he cares so much, so deeply for her now. He doesn't want to see her hurt. So it sucks that she's hurting. He doesn't like that. He's relieved that that he's leaving because Angel murdered his girlfriend and tortured him and has been dangling in his face all year. Came back mysteriously, like got his, got his, got killed and went to hell, but then has been back all year. So it, Giles is like, yeah, great. There's some history there. Yeah, so, yeah he's, he's a little bit torn right now. But the point is, he feels very sad for her. And he says, I don't know what to say. I understand that this thing, uh, this sort of thing requires ice cream of some kind. <laughs> oh my God. That is correct, Giles. God, Good job. He's so sweet. So sweet. So Buffy says that'll come. Uh, for now, she wants to get rid of this guy. Um, the great thing about slaying is that kicking ass is comfort food. So she goes. I feel like there's a little bit of faith in that statement. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to punch my feelings out right now. <laughs> um, it's prom night! Prom night! Yay! All the 90s prom outfits are amazing. The gym is all decorated. All the senior classes in there. Um, Praise You by, uh, I think, Fatboy Slim. I think that's who sings that song is playing. That's a classic for around that time. I can't stand that song, personally. But it's like, I have to praise you like I do. Dun, 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 dun. It was like in so much media back then. Um, 
It's Bop, okay? It's a Bop. And Aunt Anya is with Xander. She's talking his ear off about all the past violent wishes that she's fulfilled for women because Anya was a demon for like a millennium and doesn't know how to talk to people. <laughs> and we're getting that now. You think that she could like do a little bit of research, but no. <laughs> no. No, no, she's just, she's purely riding on these new 17, 18 year old teenage vibes that she's given herself. So, um, it's awkward, but she just keeps, I think even she can hear herself like being awkward. Like, I think she's trying to engage with Xander, but she can tell he's really uncomfortable. To be fair, there's not much to engage with there. (laughs) Boom, boom. Well, she should have known, right? She was like, you're more mature than the other guys. Anya, you're so wrong. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so wrong. Uh, speaking of awkward, we cut to Giles and Wesley at a snack table. <laughs> you know, the, the chaperones. Again, and I just, I'm sorry. I'm just bringing this up because I'm just bringing it up. Wesley is not affiliated with the school as far as we know. Why is he here? Mm-hmm, indeed. Uh, no reason, but they do. They're talking about their old school days. I guess they both went to an all-male school. And the only thing about the scene that I wanted to point out was that Wesley says something, like, something homophobic happened at that school that Giles didn't want to talk mm. about. He I, he says, like, oh, or that time you dress up all the underclassmen as women and then dot, dot, dot. And Giles just gives him a look. So we don't know what that story is. One can only imagine that it led to orgies because that's what Giles was into when he was younger. Well, I, I mean, I think it's a comment on the the seedy things that can happen at all-male boarding schools. Something we need to be aware of is Joss Whedon went to a boarding school in England mm-hmm. when he was younger. So he has experience with, you know, some of the, the cruel things that boys can get up to. Uh, and, and bully, especially in that single gender environment and especially within that kind of um, that culture where uh, you are encouraged because because of the way that the British society is very highly stratified in terms of class, you're encouraged to look down on people who aren't from as good of a family as you, who don't come from a good background. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of issues at these kinds of boarding schools. And I mean... It's not a great joke, right? It's homophobic. It's transphobic. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but I, I think it's just it's a little like dig. It's a little reference at the fact that Giles and Wesley, even though they are separated in age, they do have something in common, which is they were raised in a kind of a very conservative fashion. They were both trained to be watchers from childhood. So it's interesting that now they're here in Sunnydale amid this <laughs> American chaos of high school. And it's so different from their experiences. Yeah, very true. And something else that's different from their experience is that Wesley sees Cordelia walk into the gym. And I don't blame him. Honestly, this is the only time where I'm like, I get that he chokes on his food because Cordelia looks like a fucking angel. She looks stunning. Like she looks so good. And she's wearing her sparkly dress, her her hair's up. And um, Giles sees Wesley choke when he sees her and he rolls his eyes. (laughs) So Cordelia is in the house. Willow and Oz are in the house. Willow has actually, I was surprised because I was expecting another boring black dress. But she's actually wearing something pretty interesting in the 90s. Yeah, I I feel like maybe the costume designers just didn't know how to dress redheads sometimes. Mm. Like, it's not hard. Like, there are amazing dresses that will work with Willow's hair color and complexion. 
But for the most part, as you just mentioned, in other formal situations, she's been stuck with some bad numbers. I agree with you. This one's better. Mm-hmm. I'm not. It's still not there for me. Um, I I think it's very yeah. Willow. That's true. Willow is still a little bit awkward. Yeah, I, I don't th- like. I I wish that we got to see more of it because she has her little shawl over it for the most part. So we don't get to see the whole thing. But back in the nineties, early early aughts, they like these double dresses, dresses that were like two pieces. Yeah. That's what I think it, it is. She and she's got quite the intricate hairstyle going on as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I like this because she's telling Oz like, should we dance because before we get besieged, bedeviled, and beheaded, right? Oz is so confident that Buffy won't let them down. He's literally like, oh, you think Buffy's going to let us down? So cute. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah, Willow, have more faith in your best friend. God. Yeah, she's like, well, I don't know. She was like really sad this morning, like literally like six hours ago. She was bawling her eyes out on my, on my lap. Um, but this is another thing, like just the fact that Oz and Will, like the Scoobies are at the prom. Oz is literally dismissing the threat of the monster of the week he's literally like buffy's got it right which is another call out to me that the prom this episode is signifying an elevation from that high school as hell metaphor where the monster of the week should be their biggest problem it should be the main focus this week but it's not it's the prom (laughs) it's high school high school's ending so buffy's gonna take care of that we're gonna have a good night (laughs) just like buffy said so wesley approaches cordelia he says you look smashing and she says, well, that's a start. And she takes his arm and they walk over. And here's here's where we find out Xander and Anya meet up with them. <laughs> like Anya's like Xander's trying to get out of talking to Anya because she's being so weird. He's like, you know, tell me, how are you both? And Wesley says, very well, thank you. And Cordelia says, yes, thank you. And she says it very pointedly at Xander because obviously Xander bought her the dress. And Xander just says, it looks good on you. She says, well, duh. And they grin at each other. And that's it, right? They walk away, they part ways. And that is closure, people. Like that signifies to me that their whole thing, you know, like enemies to lovers to enemies again, it's done. Xander showed her a little bit of kindness. He showed her a little graciousness by not telling everybody that she's poor and covering for her and buying her this dress. They're parting on good terms. They weren't on good terms. He cheated on her. They fought the whole second half of the season. Cordy was shunted to the back. But here they are. I think they're going to part, maybe not friends, but at least in each other's good graces. And if this is the actual turning point for Xander's character from seasons one, two, and three, and we're moving on to season four in a couple of weeks, if this is the turning point where he's going to show a little bit more of his gracious, mature side, I'm here for it because this was very generous of him. Yeah, I'm not as optimistic as you are, Steph, <laughs> but I, I will agree with you. This is a really nice scene. It, it's very generous of Xander to pay for Cordelia's dress and and not take the credit for it, yes. right? To me, that's what shows his growth Yeah, because the Xander of a season ago would have been all over it. He would have been like, yeah, I bought Cordy's dress in your face. Um, so the fact that he is mature enough to be that kind of like angel, if you will, mm. <laughs> and not take that credit that's the the big thing yeah so good for you xander okay you did a nice thing okay that's it xander okay just keep going keep going keep doing this okay um side note jonathan little guy jonathan he's no longer suspended he walks into the school 
with a date. Isn't that surprising? Like, <laughs> yes, you bring a gun to school, you're still allowed to go to your prom. I know, right? They're like, just like graduate and get out of here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he has a date. So obviously uh, things worked out for him. So we are in the basement of Tucker Walls's house. Um, and Steph has written, Tucker, a.k.a. Joss Whedon, <laughs> is asking the hellhound if it's ready to go. Um, and this moment of distraction allows Buffy to grab Tucker and say, new plan. And she throws him against the wall and she says, proms ago. And you're pathetic. <laughs> I feel like Buffy's working some of her anger out here. Oh, for sure. Her frustrations. You know? She's not angry at Tucker. She's angry at Angel <laughs> and men in general, I think. Yes. Um, and Tucker Tucker is more confident than he should be at this point because I think he should recognize Buffy. I think he should know there's something special about Buffy. He might not know she's the Slayer, mm-hmm. but he, as with all the other people at, at Sunnydale, he should be a little bit afraid of her and he's not. And I'm just like, dude, like... This is not going to end well for you. Buffy knows your plan. Right? <laughs> I love that he tries to like hit her with a vase or a uh, uh, lamp and she just brushes it off. <laughs> She's like, yeah, like that's what the thing is. Like if you didn't realize how deep shit you were in before, you should now because Buffy takes that lamp like a champ. Yeah. <laughs> She's like annoyed by it. Prime intended. And uh, so then he like pulls out a knife <laughs> and that's when Buffy gets distracted because she's like, there's a bunch of... Uh, VHS tapes stacked on top of each other like he rented them like prom night prom night two prom night three prom yeah, night pretty four. in pink Carrie <laughs> yeah and she's like oh that's how you brainwash the hounds to go psycho on prom so the hounds are somehow suggestible by watching teenage comedies and horror movies I guess so they probably just like hated rom-coms <laughs> that's why they want to go tear things up <laughs> it's like I, I it's it, it's like those memes on Twitter where it's like I trained an AI to do this and then had it write a script and it's like <laughs> I trained some hellhounds by having them watch John Hughes films. <laughs> so Buffy's like, what kind of sicko wants to destroy the happiest night of a senior's life? And Tucker's not very forthcoming. He just says, I have my reasons. So I just assume he's just like a 90s version of an incel. Mm. <laughs> and we have this like flashback. Oh my God. It's it's like, funny. <laughs> where he's he, like, he looks really, like he looks like a worse Jonathan basically. Yeah. And he's like asking a girl if she wants to go to the prom. And she's just like, no like she's not even harsh about it she's not even like never in a million years she's just turning him down like Like, did you how many girls did you ask did you just ask the one and then hellhounds were like you're like okay well i got rejected once guess it's hellhounds for everybody this is why it's so funny to me because you're right she was just kind of like no but that was enough to make him become destructive and want to murder everybody. And I think that that's just carrying on the tradition of men in this show who are rejected by women nicely or in whatever way, and they get dangerous, angry, or toxic. Like, I'm sorry, we're going to call back to Prophecy Girl and Xander when Buffy t- very mm-hmm. nicely said, I don't want to be with you. And he got mean and angry and sulky. And then we go back to um, Helpless when Cordelia stood up that one guy and he literally like grabbed her on the Sunnydale lot and then pushed Buffy over. Like there's been a couple of situations like this where men are rejected and we see their true nature after that. Yeah, you're right. And it's, it's still a problem today. Like I just saw on Twitter recently, there was this guy who was like, Oh, you know, uh, women are making more money than men nowadays and getting more promotions. And I think we need to change something about Valentine's day to, you know, really deal with this because otherwise men are going to feel inferior and insecure. And <laughs> like, there's this expectation. And I'm not saying this is that all men feel this way, 
But in our society, just like we have rape culture, we also have something on top of that, which is this entitlement culture, where we subtly teach men, or at least cis straight men, that they are entitled to women's bodies. And that's what turns into rape culture, mm -hmm. right? Is the fact that you have these men who think that they are entitled to have sex, they are entitled to have intimate relationships with women, no matter their behavior. And, and yeah, like Tucker is the embodiment of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mr. Joss Whedon. Yes, <laughs> Joss Whedon is, yeah. <laughs> um, and like, he's not a great antagonist. And, and I think that, like I said at the beginning of this episode, any other episode, this would just fall so flat because the monsters suck, the bad guy sucks. Like this is this is giving me some assembly required mm -hmm. vibes from season two, right? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna chop up some girls because I want a girlfriend. Like, like you're saying, it doesn't uh, matter because this episode's about the prom. So let's just, you know, yes. let's get this monster out of the way because he sucks. All right. Yeah. So Buffy says, whatever. Every maladjust has his reasons. Lucky for you, you're an incompetent maladjust. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> so she ties him up with the, the broken cord from the lamp. Uh, and then that's when she's able to look into a, a side room. There's three empty cages in a row with three TVs that were playing these wonderful 80s movies. <laughs> and Tucker smirks and he's like, gotta have a redundancy system. Any incompetent knows that. So he thinks he's one. He's like, my three fiercest babies are on their way to the dance right now. You think formal wear makes them crazy? Wait until they see the mirror ball. So Buffy like yeets out of there. <laughs> she is booking it. She is running across the quad because you know, like the, these these beasts are fast. Like and like Buffy's running, but she's on her little short stubby legs. Like I don't know how she catches up to them. Uh, no idea how she got. My, my thoughts are maybe that uh, Joyce is feeling bad for her because she interfered in her love life, so she gave her the car. Like that's the only way oh, I can think okay. about it. This is funny to me though because Buffy kills one with the crossbow. She's far away on the other side of the lawn. She shoots. She kills one. The other two start chasing her. And I was like, Buffy, just shoot the other two. Like, like just shoot, just shoot them. Again, the crossbow is not a great weapon. It's slow, cumbersome. It takes a long time to reload. It's not super accurate. I have never been pro crossbow in the show. It's true. And I love that when Buffy's, she's trying to get them to chase her so they, she can lead them away from the gym. Um, but then they hear celebrate <laughs> and they turn around and go back and Buffy's like, oh, come on, that song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> celebration <laughs> man i wish i was at that prom um okay this is so stupid buffy just you know she just chases them into the hallway she fights them for a bit she kills them in various Run, ways runs past the uh the trophy catherine the great i mean yeah this woman is like this is the most exciting <laughs> night of my fucking life you've like, probably seen all these teenagers sneaking out to make out and then she sees these hell these hellhounds run past and then buffy of course and she's like oh it's buffy again <laughs> Yeah, so she so so through Catherine the Great's eyes, she watches Buffy stab one with a cake knife, and then Buffy breaks the neck of another one just as a guy well, is coming so out. So the knife the knife one was accidental, right? Like they're wrestling on top of the admissions table yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. and then or the cake table or whatever. And it's like that. It, it's just it does just die. It just falls. Yeah. And she sees the knife sticking out of it. She's just like, Great. oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, the other one dies on top of her when she snaps his neck, and uh, a guy comes out of the gym, and he's just like, bathroom? And she points, 
And uh, that's um, that's it. We're easy. We took care of that because it, this is not what the episode's about, right? It's not about the hellhounds. Yeah, exactly. No. It's like, okay, this plot is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, dis- she disposes of the hellhounds. She just drags them into a bush. <laughs> <laughs> and then she pulls her dress out of a bag. Yeah. And I, so she's going to walk in in the next scene. This girl, like she just ran across <laughs> town or maybe drove. Maybe drove, yeah. She has her dress in a bag. She just fought some hellhounds. She wrestled with them. She walks in. Her hair is done. Yeah. Her makeup is done. She looks flawless. She looks amazing. This is not possible. Buffy's had some, some a couple looks this season with her hair where we're like, mm, baby bangs, uh, or like really bleached at some points. But like, she looks beautiful here. Um, oh, you know what I just thought? Maybe Tucker's house is literally next to Sunnydale High. Maybe it's across the street. Yeah, maybe. Right? So she's just like, he's like, oh, they're gone. She looks out the window. She's like, there they are. <laughs> she just like runs out to get them. That's the only way that we could, unless she drove, that's the only way that she could possibly caught up to them. Buffy walks in and she's wearing a very pretty, I said lavender. I don't know if that's the correct color. Well, she said it was pink. She said it's pink, but it's not pink, is it? It's like purple. I don't even it's remember. Like lilac. It's like, it's beautiful. Okay. And I, I think that it's a timeless shape. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it works well on Sarah Michelle Gellar's figure, yes. right? Like, it, it's cut to flatter her, her kind of smaller frame and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have the same, like, 90s high school girl dresses uh, were very, like, I don't want to say, like, childlike, but there was something about them where it's like... They're shapeless. Yeah, like, it, it just, it didn't matter how... Uh, well, yeah, it didn't matter how well you'd filled out and developed. The dresses always made you look a bit weird. Like Cordelia's dress is similar to Buffy's in that that is a dress for a woman, not yes. a girl. Yeah, yeah I totally um, agree with that. And, and that's what Buffy's wearing here, right? Is it's like, that's not a high school prom dress. That is like, like that's like a dress you'd wear to a wedding or something. It's like, like, like no, Cordelia and Buffy look like they're going to the Emmys. You know, they look like they're on their yeah. way to the Oscars. Um, I think Willow and Anya are wearing something much more appropriate for high school age. Uh, but let's not forget that Cordelia is like a 30-year-old woman here. So she's got like, <laughs> she's like, I'm going to show it off. Um, but no, I think Buffy looks looks gorgeous, in my opinion. Uh, she hugs Willow and Oz. Giles sees her come in and smiles because he's like, that's my, that's my daughter. She did it. She killed those hellhounds. This is funny because Oz says, you know, your prom is strangely affecting. He got teared up when they played We Are Family. <laughs> well, so I just want to mention, too, like when Giles looks at Buffy, she gives him a little nod. She's like, yeah, I did it. I did it. I, did I fucking get the, I got that shit done. And um, OK, so we so they're at the prom. Yay. We cut to the awards. Awards are being dolled out. And Sunnydale's class clown of 1999 goes to a Jack Mayhew. And Xander feels snubbed by that. But Xander, you're not funny. yeah like is xander supposed to be the we have never ever in our lives heard that xander cares what we can see as the class clown no it's just because joss whedon fancies himself the funniest man on earth and he (laughs) sees himself as xander so he's like well obviously xander is the funniest guy in this group incorrect buffy is the funniest person in that friend group i'm sorry it's true she's really good with the question she's so funny so um buffy doesn't give a shit she's like well I, you know, I, I'm not prom queen. I'm nothing. So I'm just going to get some punch. Some spiked punch. Some spiked punch. And before I do the electric slide. And then um, little guy Jonathan comes to the mic. He needs to adjust the mic too because that's how little he is. And um, he says, we have one more award to give out. Is Buffy Summers here tonight? And everyone looks around. Buffy's super surprised. She's like, what? And the spotlight goes on her. And Jonathan gives his whole speech. And he says, 
This is a brand new category, first time ever. There's a lot of write-ins apparently. Like oh, this is so sweet that everyone like wrote in and they needed this award to be created. Um, he he pulls out of his paper and he reads something on behalf of the prom committee, and it says, "We're not good friends." Most of us never found the time to get to know you, but that doesn't mean we haven't noticed you. We don't talk that much, but it's no secret that Sunnydale High isn't like other high schools. A lot of weird stuff happens here. And then students start shouting out things like, zombies, hyena people, Snyder. Definitely the weirdest part is Snyder. (laughs) Snyder, and I bet class clown Jack Mayhew shouted that one because it was really funny. Jonathan says, whenever there was a problem or something creepy happened, you seem to show up and stop it. Most of the people here have been saved by you or helped by you one one time or another. We're proud to say that the class of 99 has the lowest mortality rate of any graduating class in Sunnydale history. Woo! So they all cheer. Yay, we're all alive. We're alive. That's not something to brag about. Okay, it's not something to brag about, but I'm alarmed by that statistic because... Okay, like, I'd say in the three years that we've watched Buffy go to Sunnydale High, like, what, 40 students probably have died? But, but not all of those were in her class, right? Some of them could have been, like, oh, older students or younger students. That's true. That's true. Because I'm like, I can count off the top of my head 12 people from season one <laughs> that died. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> poor so, Jesse. Yeah, poor, like, rest in peace, Jesse. Uh, fucking Fritz and Dave from I Robot You Jane, praise Mullick. All, all those students in that student lounge that that Willow found. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God, there are like three dead students in <laughs> the puppet, in the puppet show. Yeah, this the, the, the body count is high at Sunnydale High. This class <laughs> has the least amount of dead students. It's like, what do you, what? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. This is so, so devastating. So, we laugh, but like it, it is quite serious. <laughs> so anyway, they're acknowledging that that's good. That's good statistics. And uh, we know at least part of that is because of you. So the senior class offers its thanks and gives you this. And he pulls out this like glittery umbrella. And he says it's from all of us. And it has written here, Buffy Summers, class protector. <gasps> Just to be clear, the it's not like a full functional umbrella it's like tiny so it doesn't even actually do anything it's a kitschy thing yeah 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 (laughs) it's it's sweet Um, it's so sweet it's so pure this is where i cry every single time i can feel i feel the tears coming on and i'm like oh maybe i won't cry this time because i've seen this episode like a hundred times always i always tear up this is so affecting to me because uh, i think this is a really sweet way for the this episode is all about closure Right, we we were just talking about this. This is the closure episode before we get to graduation day, and this is a really sweet way for the writers to have the the normies at the school acknowledge that there's something supernatural happening at Sunnydale and that Buffy's at the center of it without completely breaking the uh, kind of like I don't know the we don't talk about the monsters thing that they've got going on. Like it, it it's just. Yeah, they're walking a really, really fine line here. I love how they do it. And it's so nice to see Buffy finally get recognition for being the Slayer. The recognition we've all been waiting for. It's so wonderful. And like the students part like the sea to let her walk toward the stage and get this award. And yeah, like it's not a real umbrella, but that's not the point. It's, it's, it's like a symbol that shows that people know who she is 
and they thank her for it. Yeah. I love it. There's nothing it about it I don't love. It shows how many people, you know, their lives. She's touched them. Yes, and this is it. Like Buffy said, like I, Buffy doesn't get a normal high school experience, a good memory. This is it, right? And that's why I teared up. I didn't cry. I'll cry later. But uh, I was like, oh, man, this is so beautiful. It's so nice and so touching. And I love it for her. And they all give her a, like, a standing ovation, right? All her peers, they're all like, you did it, Buffy. We know who you are. You matter. We will remember you in high school. And that's all she wanted. She said that in Homecoming too, right? I just wanted that one moment to be like, I was here. So there it is, Buffy. Enjoy it. Um, a slow song is playing. Couples are dancing together. Wesley goes up to Giles, who's just chilling. And he says, I'd like your opinion. While the last thing I wish to do is to model bad behavior in front of impressionable youth, I wonder if asking Miss Chase to dance and Giles, like you said earlier, like he's had it. He's like, for God's sakes, man, she's 18 and you have the emotional maturity of a blueberry scone. <laughs> um, just have at it, would you? And stop fluttering about. <laughs> and then, no, but then he gets up, he leaves. He doesn't give Wesley a chance to respond. And I love this because, you know, you and I have had our moment of criticism of the Wesley and Cordelia thing yeah. and why there have been times it's been creepy. But I think Giles makes a valid point here, right? Which is at the end of the day, uh, and especially, you know, Cordelia is exiting high school now. So I think that makes it less problematic. At the end of the day, one of the things that we've really objected to is the fact that Wesley is clearly horny for Cordelia mm -hmm. and he's being horny on Maine and he's not doing anything about it. And that's lecherous, right? Like he's just kind of like ogling her, eyeing her up, like... You know, making these flirtatious moves, but not actually like acknowledging anything to the point where Cordelia can do something about it. And yeah. It's just like, dude, like either shoot your shot, yeah, or stop. Shit, or get off the pot. Wesley is basically what Giles said, and he does though. That's like Giles gets up and goes, and Wesley does go and ask Cordelia to dance. And we see them on the dance floor, and we pan past Anya and Xander who are also slow dancing, and Anya saying, "This is nice." Dot, 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 right? Yep. She says it in kind of a way where she's not really sure, right? She's like, she's, I think she's herself. saying it to see how it sounds when she says it. <laughs> she's trying to convince herself. Yeah, this, this is nice. <laughs> I get used to this. Um, Buffy's watching the other couples dance very sadly, even though she's happy because she got that award. And Giles approaches her and he says, you did good work tonight, Buffy. And she says, and I got a little toy surprise. <laughs> and Giles says, I had no idea that children on mass could be gracious. <laughs> And um, Buffy says, every now and then people surprise you. Giles sees something afar and he says, every now and then. And then he takes her umbrella and she turns. <sighs> An angel is standing at the door and he's wearing a real tux, not a dream tux. No. No. Okay. Okay. And I know earlier I was kind of like, I wish when exes like break up with people, they just leave them alone. I think this is so nice of him to show up. He comes and, you know, on Wild Horses by the Sundays is playing. Buffy says, I never thought you'd come. And Angel says, it's a big night. I didn't want to miss it. And I was like, that's actually so sweet. It's so sweet. So this is this is where Steph goes through several boxes of tissues watching this scene. This wasn't a, a roller coaster for Steph because, like, this is where I started bawling because it was, okay, he says, like, it's just tonight. It doesn't mean anything. And Buffy says, I know. I understand. So Angel says, will you dance with me? <laughs> <Let> me <cover. laughs> 
<laughs> so, okay, so they start dancing, they hold each other close, and, like, this got me. Okay, so I started crying, and I got really emotional because <laughs> it's their last day. They they know it's over, right? They cannot be together anymore. It's 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 over. So this is truly their last dance, and Buffy's looking teary-eyed at Angel, and they look at each other because they love each other so much, and it hurts so bad. Buffy rests her head on his chest, and they dance until... The screen goes black and that hurts. That hurts a lot. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a good ending to the episode. I like that. I like that Angel showed up in that way, that acknowledgement, right? That he can still be kind to her and do things for her, even though it doesn't mean they're getting back together or does it? Or does it? Okay. But here's the thing. And we just said, Hey, this is the episode, the quiet before the storm, because they needed the next two episodes, the wrap up of the mayor and faith, to be as epic as they possibly can. So this was our quiet high school is over episode that normally would have been the last episode of a non-supernatural series like Gilmore Girls or Dawson's Creek. They put that here. So having it end with Buffy and Angel dancing like that and quietly, it just, it really, for me, brought it all together. The fact that this is an episode about that. Yeah, but if Angel broke up with Rory, she would have killed him by this point. Like, she would have... (laughs) thrown a strop and done something super dramatic and wrecked a car or whatever. Rory would have cheated on him long um, ago. Buffy's taking this much better than Rory would have. <laughs> if you want to ever compare Buffy to Rory, I will destroy Rory Gilmore. In fact, that's going to be our next podcast. It's going to be called Fuck Rory Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> 10 stars, you guys. This is this ep- this episode like I I was moved. I was very moved. I love that it was so high school focused, cleaning up all these relationships, for the, not just building up the last se- like season, the last three years, right? And nothing is going to be the same after this episode. So what you're saying is next episode, shit goes down. <laughs> yes. And then high school's over and season oh, three ends. Right. I'm, I'm holding you to that, Steph. If next episode's boring, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Next episode is like, it's like the next reptile boy part two. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Uh, so who's your hero, Steph? Buffy. Buffy's my hero. Yeah. She was heartbroken. She's going through it again. Once again, Buffy Summers is going through it, but she saved the day and she was there for her friends. She's my hero. And shout out to Angel's two tuxes. <laughs> <laughs> they are also your heroes. Angel's not your hero, but the tuxes, the tuxes totally your hero. really, really made that for me. <laughs> but you know what? No, Angel's my hero too, because he did the right thing. He did the right thing. It's just as hard for him as it is for her. But I'm also really happy that Angel didn't rat out Joyce. <laughs> he could have said, your mom came and talked to me. But okay. he didn't. So your hero's Buffy too? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Buffy's the hero. Ugh, well, that was such a good episode, Kara. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Let's get to some hot steak, shall we? The first hot steak that we have is a comment from TikTok user obsidian light archer and they wrote on one of our tiktoks that buffy and angel were twin flames enough said and cara i had just watched the prom and then i read that comment and i spun i spun hard and i did a lot of research on what twin flames are and 
I've never agreed with someone more in my whole life. Because a twin flame is an intense soul connection with someone thought to be a person's other half, sometimes called a mirror soul. It's based on the idea that sometimes one soul gets split into two bodies. One of the main characteristics of a twin flame relationship is that it will be both challenging and healing. This is due to the mirroring nature of the twin flame. They show you your deepest insecurities, fears, and shadows, but they also help you overcome them and vice versa your twin flame will be equally affected by you (sighs) so this this comment came right on the brink of prom and i wanted to bring it up here because i agree i think that buffy and angel are two peas in a pod they have a psychic connection to each other that we've talked about it's almost like their connection feels divine or predestined in a lot of ways I just wanted to acknowledge that we've watched now for three seasons, the buildup, the breakup, the heartbreak, the love between these two characters. It's over now. They just broke up. We don't know if they're going to get back together in the future, but it looks like it's he's leaving. It looks like that's the end. So I just really wanted to acknowledge this person's comment <laughs> and the fact that Angel breaking up with Buffy and moving on and leaving her is definitely a way to help her grow. I, I Yeah, I agree with that part. I'm not sure I'm on board with the twin flame. You know, I, I know I came out in previous episode um, and said, I think I'm on board with the Bangel train, but not sure I'm going to go that far. So mm, I believe it. I 100% believe it. These two are destined to be in each other's lives. Our next hot stake is from Leia on Instagram. Uh, And Leia says, I find that a lot of people criticize Angel for breaking up with Buffy, claiming that he made the decision for her, not giving her a choice in the matter, and that he's a terrible person for doing it right before the prom. What people fail to consider is that Angel is just as much a participant in that relationship as Buffy is. He's not making a decision for her. He's making a decision for himself. And that decision is impacting Buffy because she's a part of that relationship. Angel's realization that he cannot offer Buffy that which she's always yearned for is Angel being self-aware of his own limitations and coming to the conclusion that he can't live with the fact that he would be depriving this person that he loves so much of the things that he'll never be able to give her. Of course Buffy isn't going to be happy about this. In what world would someone be happy about the love of their life breaking up with them? But later in the episode, she comes to understand his decision. She gets it, and she agrees. I think it would have been far more cruel to ask Buffy to once again give up that which she wants most. And Angel understood that, so he decided to carry that burden for her. Now, the fact that he broke up with her right before the prom does not make him a terrible person. Angel didn't wake up that morning with a malicious intent to ruin Buffy's prom by breaking up with her. The conversation came up and one thing led to another, and it happened. This happens in real life all the time. What matters is that he still showed up for her. I also don't think that the prom would be as impactful of an episode as it is if the breakup didn't happen. This is an episode marking the end of an era. It's an episode about the very essence of this show, which is growing up. The breakup served as an obstacle for Buffy to showcase that she could put aside such a great sorrow in order to show up for the people around her, just as she's always done, and just as she will continue to do for the remainder of the series. It's supposed to showcase that Buffy is an extraordinary woman. It has nothing to do with Angel intentionally ruining her prom. I mean, I think we would agree with a lot of that, because I think we've touched on a lot of that in the episode so far. But Leia, you did a really good job of kind of getting at what I was saying when we were discussing the breakup scene. And I'm like, I think this is inevitable. 
you know, I don't see how this would happen any other way. I like the way that you, you, you said that, right? Which is that this is just the way it has to be, right? Angel has to do this for himself. And of course, Buffy's not going to take it well at first. And, you know, I agree with a lot of what you said, but I think that point overall is is so salient to our conversation. Yeah, I really loved when, uh, Leia, when you said that, um, hey, it's his life too. Yeah, I hate to see it. I hate to see this happen <laughs> to these guys. But uh, I also am a firm believer that you do need to go off and do your own thing, especially because Buffy is quite young. Angel understands that. Angel recognizes that, and he's giving her the space to do it. And I think that's really, really noble of him, and it shows how much he loves her. But it's true. Like, sometimes, like coming from somebody, there's a little personal thing, like some, coming from someone who stayed in their first relationship for far too long, Ooh. sometimes you do need that other person to be the bigger person to say, you know what, this isn't for us right now. Go do your thing. At least you didn't ghost her, right? <laughs> well, they're twin flames, Kara. They're going to get back together probably in two episodes, right? Season four, waking up together. Uh, we'll we'll, we will find out. <laughs> we will find out. <sighs> All right. Well, another great one. Two episodes to go. Two more. Graduation day, part one and two coming up. But next week, we are going to take a small break from recaps. We're going to have a bonus episode taking the place of where graduation would de- would be we're interviewing Kendara Blake, author of In Every Generation, the new Buffy uh, young adult novel that takes place after the end of the series. You might have heard Steph and I mention it before on Instagram. You can see a little review I did on our TikTok. Um, so we're going to interview Blake and then we'll be back with Graduation Day Part 1 the week after that. Thank you to our Buy Me a Coffee supporters. You can support us as well and be like our chosen ones. Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, Tara, Molly, Teza, Alexandra, and Kyle. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.